You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. Welcome to the show. This is the Hot Take Podcast. We are back with another episode and free agent frenzy is dwindling down. We've got most of the big names off the board, off of the market, and we're going to talk about all those names and how they impact fantasy football for 2019. And moving forward, of course, we want to talk about dynasty rosters as well and all of those implications. My name is Stephen Taroni. I'm here with my co-host, Blake Sullivan. How are we feeling, Blake? Pretty good. A little bit under the weather, but I'm on the recovery side now. So apologies to all the listeners if I sound more annoying than usual. Uh, it's hard to do, but you never know. I might be a little bit more annoying tonight. <laughs> but we'll get <laughs> over it. Fantasy football never stops, uh, sick or otherwise. I mean, this is like the flu game, like Michael Jordan's flu game. So I, yeah, You I'm, never know. I'm, My best takes might be tonight. Exactly. I'll be your Scotty Pippen, and you just, you know, you just get scored at 45 points, and I'll be there. I'll be there to carry you. Uh, we got a special guest on the show. Happy uh, to introduce Chris Chouse of All Day Football. How are we doing, Chris? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said off air, I was reading your article um, on All Day Football, and you had just covered the free agents yourself. So this is perfect. We're going to get you in here. Um, I think you're the perfect guy to talk about some of the, the latest news. Absolutely. Um, so, unfortunately, we got to talk about some bad news. Um, Tyreek Hill, he's under investigation now for two separate incidents of battery against his three-year-old son, which is just really hard to even voice. But we have to understand that if he gets, you know, indicted on these charges, that he could actually miss 2019 and possibly even more. I mean, there's actually a chance that, this, that Tyreek Hill, who was about to see a big payday, from the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a chance that he might not even play in the NFL again. Now, we saw Adrian Peterson miss all of 2014 for similar incident. I just want to kind of open up the table now because I'm seeing a lot of talks in my dynasty leagues, and I know it's all over Twitter right now. So, Chris, let's start off. Are you trying to sell Tyreek right now, or... Are you trying to buy low if someone really thinks maybe he won't play again and maybe you can get lucky and he does play, obviously, in 2019, and you just buy low and you get yourself a great deal? Yeah, I'm kind of answering both on that one as a yes. Um, I, if I have Tyreek, I think I'm trying to get as much back as I possibly can. If, uh, if I'm buying him, I, obviously, as low as you can. I mean, the situation just sucks for, for everyone involved. I mean, um, another high high value player that's you know in trouble with domestic abuse and I mean it's just awful I mean I, I, I wish it wouldn't have happened but I mean that's a simple answer the short answer of it for me is that I'm I'm selling as 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 high as I can I'm buying as low as I can just in case he might come back but these things never usually turn out well for these guys in these situations right yeah I think if you could get you know say like a first round or maybe a first round and a mediocre player uh, I would be willing to sell Tyreek right now, given the foreseeable future that doesn't look great. But I don't think I would be buying him just yet. I think that uh, this could only get lower for him. If it does, if it does happen that you know he's cleared and 
he returns back to that high value. I really don't think you're going to want to buy him there either. So why not wait and just try to see if this plays out where he's going to miss at least a full year like Adrian Peterson did. That would be the time that I would try to buy him and then stash him. Um, but I don't think you want to buy him right now because he's still high enough that you're going to have to give up, you know, probably a first round pick. Uh, but I wouldn't give up more than a second, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's good insight for sure. Um, I think, you know, a simple answer is, hey, just hold and wait. But who knows? The news could break next week that he misses 2019 and you missed a window of opportunity to sell him. So I think that this is very interesting. Obviously, when there's news like this, these are real situations you have to think of uh, on your dynasty roster. So, yeah, there's a little bit of both. Uh, Look, if you get an offer uh, for your Tyreek Hill, and you like it, I mean, maybe pull the trigger because you probably wouldn't have seen that offer otherwise. Um, you know, so I think there's some interesting things you could do with Tyreek Hill. I just want the listener to understand, look, he could miss 2019 or he could actually never play again. Or he could be suspended for six games. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting. Um, let's move on to some some trade rumors here. Uh, so... The 49ers, obviously, they signed Tevin Coleman. We're going to get into that later. And then they also re-signed Raheem Mostert to, I think, a three-year deal, something like three years, $8 million. So they, they obviously have put their faith into Mostert. So now there's been trade rumors for McKinnon involving McKinnon, and the Eagles have been linked to him. And then also Matt Burita could be in the mix. Just getting your opinion on because like Matt Burita right now he's under contract but he'll be a restricted free agent in 2019 and the 49ers are only going to owe him six hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean this guy is making nothing. Um, do you guys think that either of these guys are going to be traded? Um, they have these you know four running backs. Um, so Blake, why don't you start us off? Do you think that there's a real value right now with buying McKinnon in Dynasty just in case he does get traded? Well, I want McKinnon regardless, uh, whether he gets traded or not. And as far as for the team, you know, with Brita, yeah, you're not going to have much cap that you're getting rid of if you do trade him. But then again, you also don't have control over him after a year, so you're not going to get anything back either. Uh, so I think they would want to move Brita, in my opinion, and maybe try to get a pick or two back right now uh, for later in the draft and then maybe keep McKinnon to go along with Tevin Coleman, which I think would be one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous running back duo in the league. And just really build on that with Mostert behind to kind of be that safety net. Yeah, I kind of agree. agree with you there, Blake. Um, I, I love the Tevin Coleman signing in San Fran. I mean, I, I think I, it, when it comes to Shanahan, I think his opportunity to trade Breida – makes a lot more sense than it does McKinnon. And I mean, I even question the value that they'd get back for, for McKinnon at this point, since he has is coming off that ACL. Right. Brita had a decent, decent season last year, even though he had some injury troubles too. But I mean, right now in, in fantasy sports, I mean, this could be one of the worst uh, uh, backfields to predict um, much like the Seahawks was last year, um, just because of how many, how many players are in this, in this uh, lineup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would like to see Brita. Brita moved personally. I'm, I'm with Blake. I'd like to see Tevin and, uh, and McKinnon play together. I think uh, Shanahan could uh, open up some good schemes for those two. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people think of this backfield as pretty murky right now, but I think we're going to see it a little bit more clear in the next coming month, uh, the next couple months. So Matt Breida, and that's a good point, Chris, there is more value right now for Matt Breida than McKinnon, really. I mean, I think we understand, and so, you know, NFL GMs understand that McKinnon is more talented player, but Matt Breida is coming off a season where he had, uh, where he averaged 5.3 yards per clip. Um, which was tops in the league. So uh, if you're averaging 5.3 yards per carry, um, you know, 814 rushing yards, and then he had 261 receiving yards, there's a lot of value there. Um, so he will be a restricted free agent after this year. So 49ers will still have some say in what he does. They'll have first crack at him. But Chris, to your point, yeah, there's a lot of value right now with Matt Burita. And yeah, I think that the plan all along – for Kyle Shanahan was to get that one-two punch that he wanted with McKinnon and Coleman. So I think that's what we're going to see. A little bit more news here. Ajahi, Jay Ajahi is visiting the Colts, um, and uh, Jared Cook is visiting the New Orleans Saints. Which one of these are you more interested in? Uh, Chris, why don't you start us off? The Saints are actually really close to signing Cook. Uh, they're almost calling it a done deal on Twitter today. Um, I actually like, uh, like the Cook one a lot better than Ajahi. Um, to me, Ajay is what he is. I mean, he's slow. He's he's a bruiser, and I I really don't see how he would fit into the Colts' uh, backfield. Personally, I think they're they're pretty set with Hines and Mack, and then maybe, uh, well, the the third guy, what's his name, Wilkes, I believe. Yeah, Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, Wilkins. There you go. Thanks. And uh, I think they're pretty set back there. So I mean, adding Ajay to me, I mean, would only be uh, maybe a goal line back. Uh, but I see a lot more value in Cook going to a place like a uh, place like New Orleans to help uh, take some coverage away from Michael Thomas. You know, yeah, I'm right there with that. I absolutely love Jared Cook to the Saints. I think that could be a really nasty play. Uh, I am a little bit worried about Ajayi to the Colts if it did happen. Uh, basically, just because I would be unsure of how much they trust Mac, but I don't think it will happen, uh, and I hope it doesn't happen because. I think obviously it would hurt uh, Mac a little bit, but I really don't see Ajayi being able to take over that entire offense. I don't think he'll be able to stay healthy to do it either. Yeah, health is definitely a concern. I think he would be used very sparingly. I actually think, and you know, I, I was talking about this in uh, the Slack channel on FF Statistics. You know, they were saying how it really hurts Ajayi, uh, or wouldn't help him necessarily. Like it's the worst spot that he could go to for himself. If Ajahi went to the Colts, I actually think it's a great situation for him in particular for fantasy. Um, I would be interested in him in particular for 2019 just because he's on a good offense and like we, we imagine that he'll get some goal line work. Um, so that would be decent for his value. Obviously, it kills anyone else's value on that uh, Colts backfield. But yeah, Jared Cook, number five tight end last season, and that was with the Oakland Raiders. So you put him on the Saints, uh, he's – Again, a top five tight end. Because I think if he was on the Raiders again this year, we probably would have trouble projecting, okay, he, he's probably not going to recreate that, that top five finish. But with the Saints, he certainly can. We know that Drew Brees targets the tight end, um, and this would be one of the more talented tight ends he's had in quite a bit. Um, so he hasn't had like you know a really talented tight end in a few years now, and this would be uh, very helpful for him around the goal line, I think. Yeah, I mean, he basically made Jimmy Graham. And yeah. I, I think Jared Cook is very similar. I don't want to say better than Jimmy Graham, but he is very similar when it comes to the talent of Jimmy Graham. And, yeah, it would be nice to just have somebody that can 
actually run the field from the tight end spot and take away some of that separation or, or some of that, you know, coverage from Michael Thomas because he, he's having a hard time getting separation, as we saw later on in the year when they're bringing over safeties and stuff, double teaming him. Uh, there's only so much he can do. Yeah, we definitely look at the Saints offense as high powered. But, you know, after Michael Thomas, I mean, it's Traquan Smith in his second year who is generally unproven. I think we know the talent is there. And then you have Ted Ginn, who's towards the end of his career. Um, so it's like they don't have a lot of talent on that offense, actually, when it comes to the pass-catching weapons. Uh, so Jared Cook would be a great add for this team. Totally agree. Yeah, and like you said, Chris, uh, it looks like it's close. So I think that's going to be a fun, a fun signing. So let's get into all of these free agent moves. And, you know, the first one isn't necessarily a free agent signing, but it's huge in itself for fantasy football. Odell Beckham Jr. traded to the Browns. This is what everyone wanted, including Beckham, including Jarvis Landry. The duo from LSU is back together, and they have Baker Mayfield slinging them the ball. It's going to be a fun year for the Browns. Um, Blake, what does this do for Beckham? And then I think more importantly, what does this do for Baker Mayfield for 2019? I mean, I think it's kind of just a, a self-explanatory answer. I won't go too much into it. I mean, you add a piece like Odell to that offense, and when you watch, uh, you watch Baker in college, he always had receivers that could get down the field and get open. But it's going to be so nice having a guy like OBJ who's on a completely different level uh, when it comes to how good his hands are. So, you know, if, if Baker misses a throw, I think OBJ can make up for that. And I think that's going to be the big thing that you're going to see is, you know, Jarvis Landry's pretty good at it too, but it was just him. Now when you add another elite wide receiver like that, you're going to have two guys that uh, have pretty good hands and can make plays. And then I think it's going to help David Njoku the most because uh, he's now going to be taking a lot of that pressure off of him. And he's just going to be filling in the gaps when OBJ and Landry are pulling that coverage with him. Yeah, now Landry can – you know, uh, primarily be in the slot where last year, a lot of times he was on the outside. Um, he can just be in the slot. So, you know, I think with some of these moves, like the Coleman move, um, this is another one where people are like, well, this kills Jarvis Landry's value. I don't think so. I, I really think that, you know, he can have a better year than he had last year. As crazy as that sounds. Um, Chris is Baker Mayfield. Can we really consider him? Or is it crazy to consider him as a top five quarterback right now? I don't think it's crazy, um, but I, I still want to see a little bit more. I mean, I wasn't necessarily the biggest Baker truther coming out of the draft last year. Um, but, I mean, I took a lot of flack, and I'll admit I was wrong. I mean, he put, he put a lot of uh, a showcase to his ability in the NFL in his first year, and, I mean, it was quite impressive. He's setting records in the process. I mean, Odell, Odell to that offense is, is – I mean, like Blake says, self-explanatory. I mean, it's it's just going to improve everybody around him. Um, my only issue is in that offense is is can Baker actually support all of those targets? And then if the support isn't there in target share, I mean, do we have conflict with the high personalities that we have on that club, right? But uh, I think I think it'll work pretty well. Um, I'm still still going to watch with a keen eye um, to see how it plays out, but. But, yeah, I mean, Odell and Baker, I think they could actually – I could see Baker hitting 30 TDs, 35 TDs easily this year. Yeah, 27 touchdowns last season for Baker. So, 
you have to imagine it's going to go up. Um, so right now, Baker Mayfield, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, um, he's being drafted in the seventh round. So that is the QB five. He's being drafted as the QB five right now. So I think that, okay, maybe he can finish as a top five quarterback, but he's going to have to based on where you draft him because Baker mania is definitely real right now. I don't think people are really sleeping on him at all where last year you could get him obviously, you know, in the last pick of the draft, something like that. Now it's going to like, he's at the seventh round right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up past Cam Newton in, in redraft leagues. So yeah, it's going to be tough, but I do think that you're going to get a lot of value with Jarvis Landry. I think you're going to get um, Odell Beckham. He's going to be a first round pick. And then David Njoku, like you mentioned, Blake, uh, again, is going to be a great value in this year's draft. Um, so this offense as a whole is going to be fun. I think the biggest beneficiary is Nick Chubb. I think that uh, he's going to have a great season, um, even when Kareem Hunt does come back. No stacked boxes. It's yeah, well, one thing I'm interested in seeing is, you know, they added a lot of pieces to the defense, which, you know, you're kind of going to forget about that. And we're so focused on OBJ coming over. Obviously, that's the big headline. But you got to think about having that good defense – that's going to mean more Nick Chubb, more Kareem Hunt, but it also could mean a lot more check down passes with, you know, Jarvis Landry is so good on those slant routes, uh, something he did so well in Miami. If they can kind of get him back to that, you know, you could see him back up around those 100 receptions uh, and Baker could be able to sustain, to sustain those numbers and keep that percentage, completion percentage up. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed and like everyone can't eat as much as they want to. But I think that you can still give Jarvis Landry that 130 targets and you can still give Odell Beckham that 140 targets, you know, so they can still get that. And if you if you give uh, Jarvis 130 plus targets, then he has that upside of 100 receptions. Uh, I think he's going to be somewhere in like the 90 to 100 range. I think he had 86 this year, which was on the low end for him. But like, again, like he was on the outside for the uh, majority of the season. He was the de facto number one receiver. That's not him. He's much better suited with an Odell Beckham as we saw at LSU. So I think it's going to work out pretty beautifully. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are going to jump on Jarvis Landry this year. I think they think it's a, it's a, uh, a hit to his value, but I think it's actually an upgrade. So Le'Veon Bell goes to the Jets, and that's pretty disappointing to me. Like, I was hoping he'd go to a good offense. He went where the money was at, not the type of money he actually wanted. Chris, start us off. Where does Le'Veon Bell finish next year? Is he worth a first-round pick in redraft? And where do you see him going in dynasty startups right now? Yeah, that's a tough one because I'm kind of up and down on Sam Darnold still. Um, I, I do like I do like Lev anywhere, really. I mean, that guy changes the whole dynamic of anybody's offense. Um, I could see him still being a I want to say top five, but I'm I'm still kind of cringing. I, I want to say like in the six, seven, eight range, he'll finish off in in fantasy production um, based on in the first round picking. I mean, it's the same thing. I, I would still probably take a shot on him. In the later first round, um, I, I think there's better value uh, picking other guys higher up. Uh, but Lev, Lev could turn out to be quite a steal. I mean, if you get him in the second round, uh, he drops all the way in the second round, early second round, you could get him for some pretty good value. And in Dynasty, I mean, the same thing as redraft, in my opinion. I think, 
uh, based on his age, his workload, I mean, he does have the one year off. Uh, we, we, at this point, we don't know what shape he's in either. So, I mean, that could also hurt you the first couple weeks. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like late first round, early second round would be my target for, for Lev. Yeah, I had him as a running back four overall last year. So, definitely going to take a little bit more of a hit for me too. He'd probably be like my seventh or eighth uh, running back. And I would be probably looking to take him uh, at the turn of that first round. So if if I had somewhere between, you know, the eighth and the twelfth pick, uh, probably be going with another running back first. And then hopefully on my second pick at the turn early on in the second round, I'd probably be going to get Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, I don't know. He might not fall there. Uh, a lot of people are still going to be excited to see him. You know, they're going to think that it's oh, like his revenge year or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I'd still be happy getting him early on in the second round, but I don't think I would go any earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, he had over 400 touches in 2017. Obviously, the pass attempts aren't going to be what they were, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh. But, you know, even if he gets only 300 total touches, I think we're happy with that sort of uh, workload. So, yeah, uh, you guys are definitely with me on this. I mean, there's just so many good running backs right now. We talk about Saquon, Zeke, uh, Kamara, uh, CMC, Gurley, who Gurley is slipping a little bit. So, you know, we can't really put Le'Veon above any of those guys, especially when the situation is pretty unknown. But, uh, Chris, I'm pretty high on Sam Darnold, actually. I, I think that he's going to have a decent year, and they're, they seem to be um, putting weapons around him where he can have success. So it looks like... They're trying to set him up for success. I think that Le'Veon's going to help his production a lot. Le'Veon's going to help Sam Darnold more than anything. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's hard to argue that point. Uh, bringing Crowder into the mix uh, definitely helps his cause. I mean, helping a young quarterback with short outs and short ends, I mean, is never a bad thing, right? So um, the only thing, my concern with him, I mean, let me back up and say that Adam Gase being the head coach, I think, is is probably the best thing for him in his in his development at this point in his career. Uh, he is the the QB whisper, as they call him. But uh, um, uh, his fifty seven percent completion kind of threw me off, and his high interception rate kind of threw me off. So, I mean, I, I, the better phrase for me for Darnold is cautiously optimistic. So, yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more with the Adam Gase point. Um, you know, we saw Adam Gase in Miami. And obviously he was uh, targeting, you know, his quarterback was targeting the slot very often with Jarvis Landry. So now we see two slot receivers with uh, Anunwa and then uh, Jamison Crowder. So, yeah, I, I think they're just trying to make this a Sam Darnold friendly offense with like, you know, a, a decent tight end and Chris Herndon. You got the slot, the slot outlets. And then, of course, Le'Veon Bell, the ultimate pass catcher out the backfield. I think Le'Veon is still a first round pick if you're, you know, at the 109, something like that, and it's Le'Veon Bell or James Conner, I'm still going to go Le'Veon Bell. Um, I, I think there are more question marks right now with Pittsburgh Steelers' offense as a whole than Le'Veon Bell as a football player. But you guys bring up good points. We don't know what shape Le'Veon's in, so we want to see a summer of uh, working out before we really commit to Le'Veon. So Mark Ingram to the Ravens. Of course, Nate Hamilton was on the show, and he did predict that uh, Mark Ingram would go to the Ravens. I think this is a great landing spot. Obviously, all the volume that the Ravens running backs were getting uh, at the end of the season with Lamar Jackson. Blake, what do you expect from his workload in 2019? Like, how many carries uh, do you think he's going to get? And then do you think they're going to use him as uh, a pass-catching back as well? Uh, well, first off, I definitely don't see them using him as a pass-catching back. 
I, with what CMC does, I just don't – or, excuse me, uh, Gus Edwards, you know, I think he can be successful in that role. And I don't know if they're going to really need to use Mark Ingram there. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that CMC uh, or Mark Ingram would go to the Panthers. But uh, <laughs> now that he's on the Ravens, I got to have him there. Oh, yeah, that, would, that would have been a nice combo, yeah, Mark Ingram. Yeah, and, yeah that would have been sweet. <laughs> but that would have taken away a lot from yes. Yeah, it would have been Packers. bad for Mark Ingram's fantasy value. But. So traditionally, the Ravens like to use, like, one guy in the pass-catching role and then one guy as their, like, bruiser. So you think that Ingram's going to be used more as the bruiser? Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of Mark Ingram as the bruiser. Um, and you got to think, too, that – Lamar Jackson's going to have plenty of carries himself. So that's kind of like adding a third running back into the mix anyway. Sure. Um, so, you, you know, I don't know. Maybe 300 carries. Uh, oh, wow. Maybe only, maybe only 200. I, I really don't know. It depends on how they plan to use Gus Edwards. If they use Gus Edwards as that primary back, you know, you might only see 150 to 200 carries from Mark Ingram. It might just be on those short downs. Uh, but I really do believe that Mark Ingram will be the primary back and he'll get a majority of that workload. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think Mark Ingram slots in number one uh, right from day one. Um, Harbaugh has typically used his backs. I mean, uh, can we really say any of those backs that he's had over the last couple of years have been top uh, elitist backs? I, I don't Not think at all. Have, right? So, I mean, I think this is kind of what he was looking for. I think he wants that bell cow. Um, I think I was writing a piece earlier and I think it, it said something like 547 carries the Ravens had last year for like a league high. So, yes. I mean, I mean, there's, there's lots of touches to go around in this offense. Um, I, I'm not convinced yet Lamar Jackson is the passer, uh, that people think he might be. Um, so, I mean, I think there's still going to be ground and pound, heavy ground and pound. I, I, having Mark, Mark is a catching, catching running back. So, I mean, um, he he's caught over 50 passes with Breeze, and I mean I, I'm not saying Lamar is Drew Breeze, but um, I, I still think he could find some value in PPR in the past game. So, um, but yeah, I can definitely see anywhere from 260 to to 280 carries for him. Yeah, you mentioned that 547 league leading uh, run sh- rushing attempts for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson actually had 147 of those. And, you know, obviously he only started something like seven or eight games. I think it was eight games. So it's realistic to think that Lamar Jackson's going to have 200 carries himself. So I think we're all in agreement. Mark Ingram's going to be the primary uh, back for this team. When we saw Justin Forsett, you know, talking about one of these non-elite running backs that uh, Ravens have had, in 2014, you know, the Ravens had Justin Forsett, and they turned him into an RB1 for the time that he was with the Ravens. So... Uh, I think Mark Ingram is going to have a lot of value. I think that of all the signings, he's going to have the most value as far as like RB1 upside, where like he's not going to be drafted as that in, in redraft leagues in 2019, but he's certainly going to have that upside because of all of the rushing that the Ravens are going to do. Chris, I, I'm in agreement with you that I, I think that Mark Ingram is a pass-catching running back. I mean, but not including last year, there was three straight years where he had like over 46 catches, and two of those years he had over 50 catches. So um, right. he's definitely a pass catcher. They used the last guy they used in like that multi-back role was actually Justin Forsett, um, that got like a decent amount of targets. I think that they're going to do that with Mark Ingram. Kenneth Dixon is also a pass catcher. 
Um, and then they have Ty Montgomery still in the roster. So that'll be interesting how it goes. I think there's going to be, you know, there's definitely going to be a uh, running back by committee, but I think Mark Ingram is still worthy of like 250 carries and has an upside of like 40 catches next year. So Tevin Coleman to the 49ers, and, you know, we kind of alluded to this. We're, I've been seeing just a lot of negative feedback on Twitter in general on this Tevin Coleman signing. It doesn't make sense, I've seen. Um, you know, this is the worst possible landing spot. I, I've seen this as well. You know, last year, Blake, on the hot take, we were saying that Kyle Shanahan was going to target Tevin Coleman. And this is your boy, so I'll let you lead us off. Uh how do you see Tevin Coleman? I mean, he's been a, a de facto RB2 for like four or five years now. So is he still in that range? Yeah, we talked about it last year. I mean, then we talked about it on the show the other day with uh, Nate Hamilton, and we both wanted him to go to the 49ers. It was kind of our obvious pick uh, where we wanted Tevin Coleman to go. But, you know, I don't think he's going to overnight just become an RB1. I think that was kind of the hope last year is that, you know, since he was an RB2 with Devontae Freeman, that uh, he was for sure, you know, going to turn into this RB1, maybe an eighth or ninth running back. Didn't happen. Uh, a little disappointed, but he was fairly solid last season. Uh, he only had 800 rushing yards, but, you know, he was in every single game. And, you know, still in the receiving game, he was good. He had five touchdowns. Uh, last year, he only had 8.6 yards per reception but for his career he's at 11 uh so that's going to be a good number that i want to watch that uh on this 49ers team with garoppolo i think that they could use both of these running backs mckinnon and tevin coleman both kind of in a similar role which is something you don't see a lot of usually you have two different style running backs where i think in this on this uh team in this system i think they could both be kind of similar style running backs and both still find success. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I've been a Tevin Coleman fan since he was drafted with the Falcons, and I was uh, pretty upset when he lost out that starting role. So it's nice to see him uh, get the opportunity. I don't understand why people are hating on this all over social media. I think it's a great move. I mean, he reunites with, with Kyle Shanahan. Um, he, he is an RB1, but I, I still do want to see more um, – consistency I think is the best word to put it for him he, he if you look at his yards per carry he's never never below four and he's always hovering mid fours uh, and that's with an offensive line in Atlanta that it could be suspect at times right um, and I, I don't think he was utilized very well in Atlanta with uh, the offensive coordinator um, Sarkeesian or whatever his name is yeah. but uh, yeah I mean I think this is a this is a match made in heaven um, I think he signed a two-year deal to kind of be like a prove it deal so that he can cash in later. So um, I, I see nothing but right with this when, when Jimmy comes back and hopefully he's, he's up to par, but I think uh, he could do some special things in San Francisco. Yeah. It's kind of like Tevin Coleman went out the door uh, a little too soon because Dirk Cutter is going to be back uh, for this Atlanta Falcons team. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Um, but Tevin Coleman, um, he is definitely, can be used better than he was last year. We were disappointed because he was the RB19 overall when we thought that he was going to have, you know, the, the keys to the Cadillac was all his. And he kind of, you know, stalled out. You know what I mean? He really wasn't that guy that we thought he could be. Uh, Chris, you bring up a really good point because 
you said that he actually lost that starting job, and you're right because when he came into the league, he was a rookie, and Devontae Freeman was in his second year. That first game with the two of them, uh, Tevin Coleman actually was the majority like shareholder of that backfield, that right, first right. game. And then Devontae Freeman never looked back after that. That's right. Um, so he was – what could have been – with Tevin Coleman, you know, I mean, so generally disappointing, actually, uh, when you look at it, but he has been an RB2 for all of his career, and I don't see that changing. I, I think that Kyle Shanahan knows what he wanted. He got Tevin Coleman to fill the Tevin Coleman role. It's going to be McKinnon, it's going to be Coleman, and they're both going to be utilized. I think that that yards per carry, uh, which isn't bad at all for his career, um, is you know going to be utilized because he's going to be used sparingly. He's not that workhorse back. We saw that last year. He's going to be used sparingly, and then of course he excels in the passing game. He can take you know a, a screen fifty yards for a touchdown. So I think we're going to see a lot of success. I think Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the injury, the best thing for him are pass catching running backs. And really, you know, you can't have uh, too few of those. Uh, so I think that's why they have so many right now. Okay, so we have some receiver signings. Golden Tate to the Giants, Dante Moncrief to the Steelers, and then Devin Funches to the Colts. Of these three, which one are you more excited about, Chris? You know, I'm, I've, I've never been a supporter of the man, but I, I love the Moncrief sign to Pittsburgh. Uh, I just see a lot of right going on there uh, there's a lot of targets missing now that Antonio is now in Oakland um, this could go either way I mean it's uh, to me right now uh, from my early rankings he's he's going to be a sleeper for me I think the value is off the charts and redraft um, but again it could go either way he could be as good as Day, uh, Hayward Bay or he could be as good as Juju you know what I mean so yeah I think that's definitely a good choice out of those uh, like you said he does have good upside, but I'm a little bit worried about if James Washington comes in and kind of overshadows him. Um, and you know Juju will overshadow him. I think I'm going to go with Devin Funchess out of these guys. Okay. Uh, he could be out overshadowed by some of those guys in that Colts offense too, but he's a guy that can kind of go up and get the ball. He's a little bit bigger than, uh, than T.Y. Hilton, so that's going to be a little bit of a change of pace. And you saw how well – Andrew Luck did with the big guys last year with Eric Ebron. Ebron had a heck of a season. So if he gets another big receiver, Funches could have a great year. Uh, hopefully find him in the end zone a lot. Yeah, it was Moncrief that had two really two decent seasons as far as catching touchdowns with Andrew Luck. Um, I think there was one season where he had seven touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, Andrew Luck definitely uses that second receiver. I think there's going to be value with all three of these guys in redraft leagues. All of these guys are going to, I think, exceed where they're drafted. Um, right now, uh, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, Golden Tate is going at the 10.07. Um, so, obviously, that's going to move up. But, I mean, how far can that really move up? You know, what, eighth round, seventh round? I mean, I think there's still value there for Golden Tate. Um, Chris, I'm in agreement with you. Dante Moncrief, anyone landing in this role is going to have value. I mean, he's going to be the outside guy, um, opposite of James Washington, and then, of course, Juju manning the slot primarily. Moncrief has proven that he can be a capable receiver in the league. Obviously disappointing for the most part in fantasy, but this is his best shot uh, to have a good year in fantasy. Um, so I think last year we saw with Blake Bortles uh, that he was actually successful with the go route. 
Um, so he still shows speed. Um, and, you know, we obviously know that he's a red zone threat from his days with Andrew Luck. Both of those things, Ben Roethlisberger does. He throws the deep ball, and then he throws the ball in the, in the red zone. Um, so I love Dante Moncrief. But I think Golden Tate has a lot of opportunity. Um, it seems like the targets are going to funnel more towards him than they did in Detroit with Kenny Galladay's emergence. Um, so I really like Golden Tate's value. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. It's like they have Sterling Shepard, who also plays the slot, and then they have Evan Ingram. I don't really know how they're going to use Golden Tate. Um, my, f- my fear in the Giants is that uh, they're going to see so many stacked boxes that I, I, I'm, I'm just scared that the, the passes won't be there uh, over yeah. the middle of Tate as well, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good point. Uh, staying away from the Giants' offense is not a bad idea unless your name is Saquon Barkley. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, with Funches and Moncrief, it's like pick the guys with the better offense as opposed to the more talented guy because I think we all agree Golden Tate's probably the more talented of the three. But the better offense is going to probably outproduce when it comes to fantasy. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. He lands in Miami. He's going to retire down in South Beach. And, well, <laughs> presumably, I don't know how much more Ryan Fitzpatrick has left in him, but he will be the starter. And that means the wide receivers in Miami now have more value than they've had in a while. Um, I'm talking about Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, and Kenny Stills. All of these guys have value. And it's kind of like a poor man's uh, Tampa Bay of last year. It's like Devontae Parker is like the Mike Evans. Albert Wilson is the Adam Humphreys. And then Kenny Stills is the Deshaun Jackson. And all three of those Tampa Bay Buccaneers had value when Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the field. So, Blake, uh, does this make, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like, is he worth a pick in redraft leagues? Like, at the end of your draft, is, can he be a late-round QB? Uh, I, I think he's going to go there. I think I would probably lean more towards having him as a streaming option um, yeah. when I'm on bye week or if something would happen and my quarterback got injured. That's where I would want him. But, you know, I'd have no problem picking him at the end of your draft as a backup, uh, if, especially if you have a, a team where, you know, maybe like week four or week five, like early bye week for your quarterback maybe then you want to get Ryan Fitzpatrick and just have him on your roster because you know you're going to need him. You're probably not going to be dealing with too many injuries in the first couple of weeks. Um, But I I don't know that I would want to roster him my whole season because we saw what happened last year is up and down as he is. It's hard telling what's really going to happen with him. And I don't know that he's going to have sustained success for the whole year. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I don't see Fitzpatrick – having much success after week five again. Uh, Everyone knows what he is. It just seems like he brings that magic at the beginning of the season. And then everyone understands and remembers exactly how to play defense on the guy. But I do, I do agree with you in the fact that I do think that uh, Wilson and stills will have some value in matchup play, especially Uh, you get the good matchup. I think they could actually support your fantasy team a couple weeks this year. Yeah, the only reason, the only way I would draft Fitzpatrick is if he has like a juicy Week One matchup and he's there at the end of the draft, and I know I'm just going to stream quarterbacks for the entire season. Um, but yeah, Kenny Stills, he's going to have some value. Um, you know, I think this Dolphins team is going to find themselves in a position where they're going to be losing a lot of games. They're going to be passing the ball a lot, 
And it's like no pressure for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like they brought him in to lose games, essentially. I, I, that's kind of what it seems like. They're, you know, they're, they're not in a win-now mentality in Miami. I think they want to acquire draft picks and kind of uh, do the Browns route of uh, strategy. And I think that really will let Ryan Fitzpatrick just sling the ball downfield to his receivers. Uh, Chris, what, what do you think of Devontae Parker? I mean, at this point, we've kind of like seen what Devontae Parker is. Is, is. is there a chance that he's valuable in fantasy football? Yeah, at this point, I'm staying away from Parker. I think he's showing us what he is. Um, is there the possibility that he breaks out this year? Maybe. Um, I just, I, I mean, if it's a flyer and I want to take him in the last round, then maybe I'll do that. But outside of that, I'm, I'm not buying Parker anymore. You feeling the same way, Blake? Yeah, I mean, I've always felt like Parker's got something there. Uh, like, like he has that potential, but it just hasn't ever come to fruition. And I think at this point, if he breaks out, it's going to be at a low end wide receiver two or a high end wide receiver three. And I really just don't think it's worth the risk for that reward. Yeah. 100%. Um, I, I think there's a chance that Devontae Parker could have some value. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. You know, we, we know that he's going to have the opportunity. Um, we just don't know if he can really put it to the test. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give a lot of jump balls to this guy. Um, and we've seen Devontae Parker be successful with that. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think people are going to write him off. I understand that. Uh, it's a risky draft pick if you do pick him. But, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, you can get him in like the 12th, 13th round. So it won't be that much of a risk. Um, one more here, Randall Cobb to the Cowboys. This was uh, one of the more recent ones. And so basically what you got in Dallas is Randall Cobb has come in to replace Cole Beasley as the slot receiver. Blake, you are a Packers fan. You obviously saw Randall Cobb for years. What does Dak do for Cobb? And then what does Cobb do for Dak? Well, I think one thing that Dak does for Cobb is more than anything the case here. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers always liked slinging the ball, and he could get the ball out quick, but he would rather drop back and survey the field, uh, see if he could get a guy open late, you know, try to pick up 30 or 40 yards instead of three or four. And I think Dak is, uh, you know, he's gotten better as he's gotten Amari Cooper at throwing the football down the field. But I think it's going to be great for him to have another guy to fill in that Cole Beasley role where he can drop it down for a quick five or six yards. And that's a big thing when you have more successful running backs, too, like the Cowboys have. Uh, you know, Zeke's just sitting there running the ball play after play, and you get up to the line quick, you get another five yards, just keep the defense moving back, and they can't sub out. Uh, I think it's going to be really good for the team. And I don't know that his fantasy value is going to be anything special, but the role that he's going to play on the team is going to be very important. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Cobb to the Cowboys a lot. Uh I, I, I like Cobb probably more than a lot of other people do, but outside of Packers fans, of course. But uh, uh, I think I think he's a better replacement for Cole Beasley, in my opinion. Uh, he's better. He's got a better release off the line. I think he'll give Dak an earlier window to throw the ball. Um, that being said, I mean, I, I, it's it's like other quarterbacks that struggle to support all the talent in the receiving core. I, I just I wonder how much Dak can support. Uh, all three of them, Gallup and, and Cooper, uh, with Cobb, but uh, but I do like the sign. I think it's it's a positive step for that offense for sure. And Witten, and Witten, yep, that's a good one as well. They were <laughs> they were terrible on third down, so 
getting Witten and Cobb in the middle to push those sticks, I think, is going to be very important for them. Imagine what the run blocking is going to do for Zeke, having having Witten in there on the line. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, and a presumably healthy offensive line, too. Or kind of sneakily, the Cowboys have made decent moves to improve where they kind of struggled last year. Um, so it'll be very interesting because the Cowboys usually don't make a lot of noise around this time of year. But adding somebody like Randall Cobb is actually really good for that team. Um, I think they're going to see some success passing the, the ball in the intermediate part of the field. So of all of these signings, guys, uh, Chris, you start us off as you're our guest of the show um, and definitely want to thank you for coming on. What is your favorite of all of these signings? Who's, what is the one you're most interested in for fantasy football 2019? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm sticking with the Tevin Coleman signing. I just, uh, I, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I think he's got a lot of juice in him. I think he could really lift that offense. Uh, hopefully, that he can he can prove to Shanahan that he is the RB one that that I believe he can be. Um, I think he he can easily hit the 1,100 yards and 10 touchdown mark, and then add maybe another 30 catches, if not more. But uh, it, health health with Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be huge. But I'm 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 Really, really liking how the Niners are building that offense for sure. Oh, man, you just joined the Tevin Coleman fan club with Blake. <laughs> I know. I was so tempted to put it down, you know, <laughs> Tevin Coleman and the 49ers. Uh, you know, I was really pumped for that. But, you know, it's a recent OBJ trade. Uh, I just didn't see a way that I couldn't have OBJ to the Browns as the best move this offseason. I just think it was a huge step up for them. You know, they've been building the defense for so long. They've added pieces with Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield on offense, and then they go out and get Kareem Hunt, which I honestly think could be uh, considered in this in this same tier of, of moves. But just adding OBJ, that's on another level. And one of the big things that I saw Dorsey talking about was that it's going to create competition within the team, uh, that he's going to be – you know, working hard with Jarvis Landry, and they're going to be pushing each other to to both be better. And I, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, they talk about maybe his personality. Uh, having a personality like that could be bad for that team, but I think it's going to be great because all of those guys on that team all seem like they want to work hard. They all want to be the best they can be. And, you know, I just think it's a great environment to have OBJ in, and I think he's going to have his best year this year. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think we all wanted to see OBJ in the situation where he has a competent quarterback that can get him the ball again. Um, you know, for so many years, he was dominant with Eli Manning, uh, who wasn't in, even in his prime. So now we have a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's obviously ascending. Um, so it, it's like the sky's the limit for Odell Beckham. Um, my favorite of these signings is probably Mark Ingram uh, with the Ravens. I just see that there's going to be a lot of value for him. I don't see him being drafted in the third round. He's going to be more like a fourth or fifth round guy. And he has RB1 upside with this Baltimore Ravens team. Um, he was an RB1 just two years ago. Uh, I think he's going to be borderline RB1, RB2 next season. Um, he's going to get 250 plus carries. He's going to be in that 40 catch range. Um, so you give me that kind of volume. Uh, I'm going to be excited about it for fantasy football. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, you can find Chris's stuff for All Day Football and then Fantasy Headliners. We are going to have Ryan McDowell on the show next week. And, of course, we're going to be doing some Dynasty stuff with Ryan McDowell. Blake, we might do a Fantasy Startup Mock. What do you think, man? 
We might. I'd like to. We'll see if we can get Ryan on board with it. Uh, you know, he might want to show off his talents. Yeah, I think we're going to be doing that. Um, so on behalf of Chris and Blake Sullivan, thanks for listening to the Hot Take Pod. Of course, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Stephen Taroni. Thanks for listening. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. Follow the guys on Twitter at Stephen underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!